This episode is supported by Earn In. Life doesn't happen bi-weekly, so why should payday? The money you earn now can be in your hands today with Earn In. Earn In is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work, up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Super, super easy to use. You just download the Earn In app and verify your paycheck. Then you can access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. So the app is free. You can leave a tip if you want. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. So here's the thing. Sometimes getting close to your next paycheck, next pay period, and you realize, oh gosh, like paycheck doesn't come until next Friday, but we have this event that we need to attend this weekend and we need money for it. Or we have to buy a gift for someone. Or, oh my gosh, like my kid tore through their shoes and now we have to buy new shoes this weekend and the money's not in the bank yet. So Earning can help you access the money you've already earned at work by giving you this little bit of money in advance. So make Earnin part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability and security, and it gives me a lot of peace of mind. So for our listeners, all you need to do is download Earn In today. It's spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, and you can download it in Google Play or the Apple App Store. When you download the Earn In app, type in Shameless Mom under podcast when you sign up. So there'll be a little place where you can, where it says, what podcast did you hear about them on? Type in Shameless Mom under podcast. This helps to show support for our show and our advertisers. Earn In is a financial technology company, not a bank, and subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust member FDIC. This is the Shameless Mom Academy episode 577 with Andrea Owen. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 577. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community, so be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Andrea Owen is the author of three books, a global speaker, certified life coach, and a hellraiser who helps high-achieving women maximize unshakable confidence and master resilience. She has taught hundreds of thousands of women tools and strategies to help empower themselves to live their most kick-ass lives through speaking, her books, coaching, and her wildly popular podcast, Make Some Noise, that has almost 3 million downloads. Andrea has become one of my favorite COVID Voxer buddies. And when she told me she had a new book coming out, I was like, oh, hell yes, you have to come back on the show. So this is her second time on the show and you are in for a treat. Andrea's new book is called Make Some Noise, Speak Your Mind and Own Your Strength. And I have to warn you, Andrea talks as fast and as loud as me. So buckle up, my friends, because this conversation is fire. Listen in to hear Andrea share why she decided to write her book, Make Some Noise, in this pivotal moment in history. We talk about the reality of women fearing shining too bright, the solution to start taking up space and start shining a little bit more, the questions to ask yourself if you feel yourself hesitating to take up space, how we fall into internalized misogyny, 
how to talk to other people from a place of curiosity instead of judgment and gossip. Ooh, little lesson for all of us there. She shares her four steps to start unlearning. She talks about how she built an entire relationship while ignoring her instincts and how this relationship was completely unsafe, ultimately ending her up in enabling her partner's drug addiction and doing drug deals for him in Mexico. Good story here. And then she talks about why women's empowerment starts with women asking for what they want. This conversation is a lot of fun, but also a ton of value. So get ready to take some notes, get ready to have a few good laughs. With all that said, let's welcome Andrea Owen to the Shameless Mom Academy. Andrea, welcome back to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm so excited to have you here. I've been looking forward to this all day. It's always a treat to talk to you. Oh, thank you. I feel the same. And I love it when people follow up with me because I always say at the end of, not always, but at the end of many interviews, I say, hey, when you write the book, let me know because you have to come back. And so you wrote the book and then you were like, hey, I I wrote the book. I'd like to come back. (laughs) And so congratulations. (laughs) You wrote the book. I did. So tell us a little bit about the dynamics of your personal and professional life right now beyond your bio and what you're most excited about and, you know, including the book. Well, like most people listening, I'm tired of talking about COVID, but it's still very relevant. Gosh, you know, things are hopeful. I feel like in, you know, you and I are in the States and it's springtime, which I'm obsessed with the season of spring because I grew up in Southern California and we didn't have seasons. So now I live on the East coast and when there are seasons changing, it's very exciting. (laughs) So that's really what I'm looking forward to. And yeah, looking forward to a summer where we can travel a little bit and I'm vaccinated. So I'm ready for anything. Oh yeah. The (laughs) idea of like normalcy is, it still feels very surreal. It does. And I know that you talked about this on Facebook. Like I'm still having dreams where I'm not wearing a mask. And then I have a moment of panic. Like, oh my yes. God, <laughs> what is this going to be like to be able to yeah. see people's faces? I can't wait. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I did realize I'm going to, there's some skin issues I'm going to have to address because I seem to have like way worse skin than I had. I'm like, how did my skin get like really dry and wrinkly? And now it's been fine because of the mask, but now I'm like, <laughs> I'm going to do something about this and <laughs> pretty soon. Yes. Can't keep ignoring it. Sure. (laughs) So tell us the name of your book and what inspired you to write it right now. So the book is called Make Some Noise. And it originally had a title that was called Raise Hell. And my publisher was like, can we publish a book without a curse word in it for once, Andrea? (laughs) I'm like, okay. So that's why the first book, right? This is my third. Yes. And my first one without a curse word in the title, but it really (laughs) is about, I felt like I could not write another women's empowerment book without addressing this huge issue, which is the culture that raised us. And I felt like it really is the root of the problem. And I'm obsessed with getting to the root of the problem. I want a solution. I want the best solution. And, you know, when you look at women and how we are raised, we are made to feel fundamentally insecure that we are either too much or not enough, that we are to be a quote unquote, good woman. You know, you and I just had a long conversation about too many exclamation marks and smiley faces and emails trying to make everyone else comfortable. And this is Mm -hmm. how we are valued, not to mention our appearance and our bodies. And I had to address that as a self-help expert and professional. I felt like I couldn't spend another day not talking about it. I love it so much. And when you told me about this, when you told me about the title and kind of the idea behind it, I was like, 
Oh my God. Yes, yes, yes. We need this book like yesterday. So thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you for getting it done because this is so significant and there's so many ways that we shrink. There's so many ways that we show up in ways that compromise who we are in order to make other people more comfortable, in order to make other people more happy. And then we sacrifice ourselves in the process. Like it's just, it's so woven into how women have been indoctrinated to exist. And we need to start seeing that and understanding it because most of us are living it without fully seeing it and understanding it because it's just all we know. Right. And I don't mean this literally, and maybe it's more metaphorically, or maybe there is some truth to it, but I do think it's in some ways woven into our DNA. It certainly is Mm -hmm. woven into the quote unquote DNA of the culture. And I also feel as an industry, and you and I have had conversations offline about this as well, that we are moving away from toxic positivity. I mean, I built a business and a brand around your kick-ass life. It's still Mm -hmm. legally the name of my business. And I launched that in 2010 and it was very relevant at the time and it worked and it helped me gain followers and success. And at the same time around 2016, 2017, I really started to look at that and, you know, move away from hustle culture, which I very much was a part of. And I was exhausted (laughs) moving away from toxic positivity. And I I do think that it's a tricky balance. I think Mm -hmm. that you can have both. You can have the cheerleaders. Like I'm the consummate hype woman. It's naturally how I am. And I love being that for women. And at the same time, we have to have compassion. We have to look at marginalized groups who don't have the resources and access that a lot of us do. And we also have to, again, look at the culture that raised us and point to that as being the root of the problem. Absolutely. Absolutely. Can you talk about, so the first two chapters of the book are all about taking up space, which is like my favorite thing to talk about when it comes Mm -hmm. to women and how we exist in the world. So can you talk about taking up space and then what you call shining too bright? Yeah, I definitely, there was a method to the madness in that I wanted those two chapters to be the opening chapters because I, like many people, only read the first couple of chapters of books. And I'm like, okay, (laughs) if they're going to only read a couple, like, what do I want them to be? And they're all important. Well, yeah. And then there's another chapter that is probably my favorite. And it's about like, you know, something like don't, I should probably know exactly what the name of the chapter is. (laughs) Don't ignore the brainwashing that that we all got. Mm. And that's really just about patriarchy and how it's shaped us as women. And, but these first two chapters about taking up space and shining bright, I'll go backwards. The shining too bright part was born from a podcast episode that I did. That was born from a coaching session I had with a client and she was successful. She was smart and ambitious and experienced and all of the things. And she still struggled with not just success, but outshining others. Mm. And this was unconscious for a while, but she was very uncomfortable with getting promoted and making a lot of money and talking about, you know, said promotions and money because she was afraid that other people would think that she was too, you know, like, does she think she's too good for us? Oh, look at her with all of her accolades and money and just really, and especially with her sister too, because she had a sister and her sister wasn't as successful as her. And it was, she would be visibly uncomfortable when we would talk and it was paralyzing her. She was afraid to send out emails, to send out offers to people that she was trying to get contracts with. And it made me really think about also that book, The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks, which is very popular and very helpful. But I think that, you know, and he wrote that book for both men and women. 
and it's different for women. Like, well, I think that we yeah. experience a unique fear of shining too bright and outshining other people. And so that's what I sort of, you know, peel the layers back on and helping women unlearn what we've been taught. And oftentimes these are unconscious fears that we have. And then how do we move forward and move out of this? And then the taking up space part, I talk about both internally and externally, you know, the internally is taking up space with our emotions and, you know, and then there's taking up space with our bodies and and what does that look like? And I also want to just say a caveat before I go any further. These are not easy things to do. I am not encouraging people just, you know, walk down the street with your arms wide and tell people to get the fuck out of your way. Like, or just no, no, it's not about that. It's really about, I might be jumping ahead here, but noticing all of these things, like these conditions that we've been trained more or less to think and believe and behave certain ways. And then also having self-compassion and yeah, I'll stop. I tend to go off on this topic, especially when I'm talking to you, (laughs) very excitable people, but I just, I'm passionate about this. Oh my gosh. This is so funny because we are on Voxer and we had this phase where like every day we would send each other eight minute long Voxer messages, which was like perfect for my walk home from my son's school. Mm -hmm. So I was like, please always keep your messages. Eight minutes is perfect. It's the exact length of the Uh walk. And we would go off on like one thing and then just go back and forth. Like eight minute messages. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Okay. So I also love this topic. And what I want to say is that I think what I see is that there's a fear of shining too bright when you're already shining, like you're hiding your success. And then there's Mm -hmm. also this fear. I remember getting an email from someone a couple of years ago, this woman who I just adored and she wanted to join a program of mine. She was like, I want to join this program and I want to build something related to building a business, but she's like, but I'm really afraid of shining. And she had had people around who, who had been a little bit like, "Mm, you really want to start that thing. You really want to do that. Do you really think you can make it work? So I think it's like on both ends of the spectrum, like we're afraid to be shiny enough to even like get to the start line and do the thing Mm -hmm. because who are we? Like, people are going to be like, who does she think she is to start a podcast? And then when we do the thing, we're afraid like, oh, well, and now I started the podcast and it has, you know, 3 million downloads. And should I post that on social media or is that too braggy? Exactly. It's this episode is supported by AquaTrue. Having clean, safe water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four, yes, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants in their tap water. So that's why you got to check out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers have a four stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers, which is what we have, take no installation or plumbing, and they remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary ordinary pitcher filters, and they're specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS, which can lead to potentially adverse health effects like cancer, endocrine system disruption, and liver toxicity, which is part of what makes AquaTrue so special, unique, and important in terms of how they are able to filter water. They also have water purifiers to fit every type of home. So like the installation-free countertop purifier that we have at our house to higher capacity under sink options. They even have Wi-Fi connected purifiers and mineral boost options. So I'm so excited about our new AquaTrue. And here's the thing. I swear it's like 
a gentle reminder to actually drink more water every time you walk into your kitchen. So we are drinking more water now and also more clean water. So more water that is more clean. It feels like a double win. I'm feeling pretty impressed with us. I feel like sink water, tap water becomes invisible at a certain point. And when I see the purifier on my counter, it's like many time a day reminder to like, keep drinking, keep drinking. So I want you to check out AquaTrue for yourself and for your family. AquaTrue comes with a 30 day money back guarantee and that makes it a great gift as well. Today, my listeners, can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the code SHAMELESS, S-H-A-M-E-L-E-S-S, AquaTrue.com code SHAMELESS. This episode is supported by Active Skin Repair. Active Skin Repair is a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. I just randomly... Vinny was having a toe skin irritation issue and he ended up having this like skin that was really irritating him and it was getting kind of like icky and you know like when kids start to get like little scabs and scratches and then they want to pick at it and it was getting worse and so active skin repair showed up on my doorstep as a result of the sponsorship and I got to put it to use immediately and I got the ointment formula or the like ointment formulation and then also the spray and the spray was perfect so Vinny does not like ointmenty creamy lotiony things on his body but I was able to get out the spray literally took it out of the packaging the day it arrived put it on his toe before he went to bed and the next morning he was like mom my toe's all better. It was literally like this super amazing cure that helped his toes so quickly. So you can use active skin repair on a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, other types of skin damage. It's totally safe, non-toxic, suitable on all types of skin, even parts of the body where you might have rosacea or eczema or have acne prone skin. This is also safe for the youngest members of your family up to the oldest. So now you have one simple solution for your family's skin health needs. With over 500 thousand happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews and super safe and clean ingredients, active skin repair is something that you want to have on hand for your family. So to get your own active skin repair, go to activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and get 20% off your order when you use the code shameless. That's activeskinrepair.com. Use the code shameless for 20% off your order. Activeskinrepair.com, code shameless. Oh, I mean, I'm uncomfortable just hearing you talk about that because I know what it feels like. And I do think that this is a full contact experience that women just go through. And it simultaneously makes me really angry and then also makes me excited because I'm like, okay, let's talk about this. Mm -hmm. And the solution really does come in baby steps. It truly, truly does. And the very first thing that I want to tell people to do if they're like, raising their hand on the other side of the microphone and saying, that's me is to just get really curious about it and ask yourself questions like, where did this come from? Why do I think this? What media have I consumed that's made me think this? Have I had experiences where people have legitimately told me, are you sure you should do that? You know, don't get too big for your britches. And I highlight a story in the book about a colleague of mine who, and this is, you know, it's not just her experience. It's fairly common of doing Facebook ads or even just putting yourself out there online, you know, what we call visibility in the industry and people making comments. It's common to get, you know, just gross, creepy comments from men, but the amount of women that Mm -hmm. comment on other women's Facebook ads or even posts in general, just tearing 
her down. It's super interesting. And I talk about in the book, internalized misogyny and sexism. We can get into that, but that's a whole nother animal (laughs) that was sad and interesting to research as well as write about and look at my own stuff too. Oh yeah. Okay. So I feel like now you have to define that. So what is internalized misogyny? So internalized misogyny is when women, you know, have misogyny towards themselves and towards other women. So this manifests in chronic dieting. It manifests as slut shaming. It manifests in being competitive in the workplace to the point of slandering other women, gossiping about other women, starting rumors. This happens in families too, especially when it's, you know, trying to get the attention of certain men. You get the gist. (laughs) It manifests as making snarky comments to women online. You know, you should cover Mm -hmm. up more. You should lose 10 pounds. Who do you think you are? That type of thing. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. all those examples, people are like, oh yeah, I've done that or I've experienced that. Or, I mean, I'd like to think that I have matured out of that at 45, but also maybe not. I'm like, oh yeah, there's a few things I've said <laughs> and especially yeah, well, among, among like closest girlfriends where you're like, but this is just between friends kind of a thing, but right. it's crazy how even that is still like, can be really insidious. It can. And it's very, I'm the same, you know, I'm very careful about when I'm talking about other people, but especially about other women, I have to check in with myself. Like, is this coming from a place of gossip or is this something else? And I think, you know, I've healed a lot in that way. And at the same time, I was playing tennis a few months ago and was having a conversation with some of the women that I play tennis with. And one of them said, well, you know how women can be, you know, so catty. Mm. And I almost nodded my head. And then I said, well, I think that's a stereotype that has been created over time. And while I think that there can be some truth to it, what it really is, is a bigger problem that, and then I launched into the research that I've done. Oh my gosh, I love this. And your tennis friends are like, cool things for life coaching. Wow, cool story, bro. Well, and then I do this fairly often. And then I'm halfway through the story. And then I'm thinking to myself, bring it back, Andrea, you know, bring it back. Oh my God, These aren't your this. colleagues. And, and it. yeah, it just kind of, I just think I just changed the subject at the end. But my point is that we sometimes either repeat stereotypes that aren't necessarily true and just perpetuate misogyny and sexism without even realize yeah. that we're doing it. Yeah. So a tool that I have seen people use, and I think that you have done this well, and I think we've even kind of talked about this, not super specifically, but we've talked about this as we've exchanged messages over the last few months is I think that like you sent me a message. I don't even remember what the exact context was, but you said, Hey, like not to sound like I'm gossiping, but I want to like share the situation about a certain person or a couple people in the industry. And then what this really turns into is like, okay, this is actually like, what can we learn from what we see some other people doing and how can this be like a case study? So, Hey, Mm -hmm. I see this person over here doing this thing. And instead of launching into like, Oh my God, I can't believe they blah, blah, blah. And can you believe it? And they're so gross instead being like, I see they're doing this thing. And I'm what I'm noticing or thinking or feeling around this is X, Y, and Z. And it makes me curious about ABC and like, how do I want to be moving forward rather than just sitting and focusing all the energy on like judging the other person. And I think you just nailed it. Like, where is your come from? Like, is your come from or your jumping off point? Is it from, I always check in with myself and are you familiar with John Gottman and the four horsemen of the apocalypse? I'm familiar with John Gottman, but not. Okay. (laughs) So he's kind of famous for 
creating, it's really, really interesting for relationships. If anybody's <laughs> wanting to go think about it or look into it, but it, there's these four ways that people show up in their relationships and they're very unhealthy ways. One of them is stonewalling. The other one is defensiveness. And one of them is contempt. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm so good at that. And basically that's like when you think that you're better than the other person. Like gold star for contempt. Congratulations. Oh, yeah. <laughs> a plus over here where it's like, if you would just do it my way, all of our problems would be solved. And I have to very much check in with myself if I'm being like that in my marriage and if I'm being like that with anything at all. So when it comes, when we are talking about someone else, especially if I'm talking about another woman, I check in with myself and think, okay, do I have a case of the better thans? Mm, yes, <laughs> I had a therapist yeah. that used to call it that. Do I have a case of the better thans? Do I think that I am better than this person? Am I judging, like you said? And that for me sort of, allows me to come at it more from a place of curiosity than drawing a line in the sand and saying, well, I'm better than this person. Cause that kind of makes us feel good for a moment, but then it feels really crappy. Right. And one of the things you said to me recently in a message that really resonated and like, I knew it, but I hadn't heard it in a while. You talked, we talked about gossip being the great connector for women, which is so mm -hmm. true. Like you're like, Oh my gosh, I have this thing I can tell you. And now we can talk about it all afternoon and we, then we'll be best friends. Like it affirms the relationship mm -hmm. when you make that connection and, Oh, that can be so dangerous. And so, yeah, I mean, it can erode so many things, but ultimately it erodes us all as women when this is how we're building relationships. <laughs> Right. And I've been guilty of that too. And it can be attractive, right? And yeah. sexy, like, oh, yes. you know, Sarah and I both know this person and I know something about that other person. And so I'm going to tell you this secret, this gossip, so that we have something to talk about mm -hmm. and something that bonds us. Totally. And it's, you know, what's also interesting about that, and I don't know how true this is. So don't quote me on this. And I really do want to go back and do the research, but I heard <laughs> that gossip actually and I think it really is how you define gossip, but that it's something that women do truly in order to create connections and to bond with each other. And that it was actually men who made it something mm. quote unquote bad. And I was like, huh, that's interesting. And I bet there's some truth to that, but we do at the same time have to be very careful yeah. of what we're gossiping about, who we're gossiping about. And there's just a fine line between it being very unhealthy and malicious versus helpful and just, okay. Totally. Absolutely. Okay. So let's talk about unlearning at the end of every chapter in the book, you have walk readers through what you call the unlearning. And there's four steps to that. And I think this is brilliant. And this is also, and this is, I'm curious if you agree. I feel like if I create content, there has to always be like something really actionable. It's like how I people please. And so mm -hmm. I'm loving that at the end of every chapter, you're like, not even at the end of the book, will I give you four things? I'm going to, at the end of every chapter, give you four things, which I think is so great so that people have this actionable content as they're reading. Um, mm -hmm. So they can be taking these baby steps. So can you talk about the unlearning and the four steps? Yeah, because everybody lives a good step-by-step -step process, myself yes. included. Yes. <laughs> and I, I'm not saying that it's the end-all be-all, mm -hmm. but this book is about, when you're looking kind of the meta view of it, it's about looking at these thoughts, beliefs, behaviors, habits that we've created over our lifetime. And it's not about completely doing a 180 and doing something else, we have to unlearn what we have learned for all these decades. So the first step is to notice. And the way I describe it is, you know, you can't walk into a kitchen totally blind and know exactly what it is to that you're going to clean up. I suppose that's an ableist <laughs> 
metaphor that right. a blind person could clean up, but you know, just bear with me for a second right. through this and just notice like, what is it exactly that I need to look And it seems like a little bit of a, well, no, duh, but first you got to name it to tame it. So let's notice what's going on. And then the second step is to get curious. I mean, curiosity has changed my life because <laughs> I, I like it. to be a know-it-all. Yeah. <laughs> It's a less aggressive way to be a know-it-all. I 100% agree. Like, right. like I'm just going to get curious and then I can prove that I'm right if I get curious. Right. Well, but, and, so and I might learn a few things so that I can back off a little bit. Yeah, I know. I'm still learning how to back off a little bit. I'll let you know if I ever get there. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you directions. But, you know, curiosity, I mean, it's coaching questions, things like, I wonder why I think that. That's interesting mm-hmm. that I'm judging her for wearing that dress. I wonder what that's about. Why am I so passive aggressive when I talk to my mom or my partner or something going on? So it's not about making yourself or other people right or wrong. It's about just getting curious and wondering about things. This yeah. is how you're going to, that's really what people mean by unpacking yeah. is getting curious. And this, the third step is self-compassion. I feel like I always have to throw this in because what I see over and over again in personal development is people start to realize what's going on and maybe their unhealthy habits or coping mechanisms. And then they start to beat themselves up for it. I call it the ultimate ass kicker. <laughs> you know, people are beating themselves up for beating themselves up. They're beating mm-hmm. themselves up for having a lack of self-confidence beating themselves up for not being over their childhood trauma yet. And they're in their forties or whatever it is. So always a dose of self-compassion. And then the last step is to keep the momentum. So it's a lifelong process. And also I'm all about having conversations and, you know, encouraging women to have these conversations, especially with their friends, with their friends who are women and just opening it up and getting curious. You know, you can say like, I heard this woman on a podcast and she was talking about gossip, but you know, how do you feel about that? Like what's been your experience and just opening up the dialogue, just that's all it is, is a conversation so that you can keep learning and hopefully surround yourself with people who are just like you. Yes. Okay. Can we talk about Tijuana? Oh my God, so, Tijuana, Mexico. Yes. Tell us about Tijuana. I feel like, well, I don't know if everyone, many people have a Tijuana story. I have a Tijuana story, but I think especially if you're like at least close to the West coast, right? That's the thing. Yeah. Like I have a, mine is like a Tijuana spring break story. Okay. Anyway, you go ahead. Well, I was born and raised in San Diego. I was there until I was 36. And so we didn't just have a Tijuana spring break. We had Tijuana weekends, like (laughs) Friday, Saturday nights, we would go down there. How we survived. I have no idea. Like I'm a Gen Xer like you. And I text my childhood best friend TikToks that are about Gen Xers and we're like, how did we ever survive? Anyway, so one of the how did I survive was I dated someone, I had just gotten divorced. Actually, we weren't even divorced yet. He hadn't even filed yet, but I found out my husband was having an affair. He was living a double life and got his girlfriend pregnant. And so we were divorcing. So I immediately started dating someone. And there were some red flags, like the reddest of the red flags in the beginning of the relationship, but I was so desperate and unhealthy that I ignored them all and blew right through these red flags, (laughs) continued to date him. So he, uh, I think it was our second date. He told me he had non-Hodgkin lymphoma. He didn't know if it was terminal yet. He gave me an out actually and said like, if you don't want to date me anymore, I understand, but he was, you know, six foot three, looked like David Duchovny was super funny and charming. And I was like, I will be your nursemaid. (laughs) 
and I'm going to save your life. Oh my God. <laughs> and I'm also Obviously. severely codependent and a love addict. <laughs> so this is going to be fun. <laughs> what so, an amazing project. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was, it was my just, project see, like, of 2006. Yeah. Like you're just so poised. You're like, how did I get so lucky to meet the one? Like who's as, so perfect yeah. for me right as after coming out of the soon as my thing. husband, yeah. As <laughs> me and my husband were talking about conceiving our first child, he had an affair, got his girlfriend pregnant. They had a house and a puppy. And then I meet the uh, man of my dreams right. who has <laughs> cancer. So uh, then he tells me about this medication. That's not approved by the FDA in the States, but it's available in Europe and we can go to Tijuana, Mexico to get it. And so he lived downtown in the gas lamp district in San Diego. It was like a 20 minute drive down to TJ. And the first couple of times it was fine. We would park on the US side and you walk over the border and it's like during the day, it's like a Saturday. It's like a super touristy area of Tijuana. There's a lot of legitimate pharmacies down there where you can get medications for a lot cheaper that are, you know, here in the US. So he would always ask me to stand outside the pharmacy, which I didn't think was that weird. I think I just assumed that he was embarrassed or whatever. I didn't question him. I would just like shop outside and like get a churro or something. And so months went by and we did this almost every weekend. And then he quit his job and asked me if I would pay for his cancer medication, which I did. And he didn't have any health insurance and things were just kind of starting to get more weird. And I suspected that he might have a drug problem and I didn't want to think so, but things were getting, the whole story is super long. I'm going to write a memoir. It's just so shocking. And so he told me there was one day where he was super sick and he was like, I need to go down there. And it was like 10 o'clock at night. And I'm like, okay, the pharmacies are closed. And so he's like, we need to go down. So we drive down there. He is very sick. And we're walking down a back alley in TJ. And I mean, this was the mid two thousands. Like it's not safe at that point. Like in the nineties, it was safer when I used to go down there with my girlfriends, really not the safest at all for teenage girls to be going to their dancing and drinking. But I mean, this was 2006. It wasn't safe. There were a lot of problems with gangs and guns and murders and sex trafficking. And he walks up to these two guys and he says, I was a good, like maybe 20 feet away from him. And he lowers his voice and he, I heard him say, Hey, do you guys know where I can get any oxy? Mm -hmm. And my heart sank. And I was like, shit, it is what I thought. And Mm -hmm. he's getting drugs down here and probably not cancer medication. And so the guys point down the street. So we walk down there and there's a cab and he opens up the back door of the cab for me to get in. And everything in my body was saying, don't go to the second location. (laughs) Right. right. Don't get in the cab. And I said, I don't want to get in. And he takes my face in his hands and he tilts my face up to look at him. And he says, I would never do anything to jeopardize your safety. And I got in the car and we drove down this. I don't remember if it was cobblestone or dirt road or something. The whole time I'm thinking if I get raped and or murdered, nobody knows where I am. Like I had isolated myself from most of my friends. I didn't talk to them that often, by the way, I was being groomed like in retrospect, this is what was happening. And I'm terrified. So we pull up to this house and it's totally dark. And he turns to me because I was the one who was paying for everything. I pull out a wad of twenties and he talks to the cab driver. And I think the cab driver might've felt bad for me because I don't think I was crying, but I probably looked like I was about to. Mm -hmm. So the drug deal happens. And then we go back 
he even, there's another story where he sent me down there by myself at night. And that whole story is just another, like, oh my God, like I still had my work clothes on and I was in this like banana Republic silk skirt and blouse in my pumps, (laughs) like at this, like Papa's and beer looking for some guy named Roberto. Like it was insanity. And then they were like, oh my God. Okay. I'll move on. The point is, is that Everything in my body was telling me that not just that moment was one I should not be part of, but the whole relationship Mm -hmm. was not okay. I knew from the first date that something was up with him and I was in such a place of desperation where I would have rather been in any relationship than no relationship Mm. that I went against my intuition. I went against my better self and it all sort of fell apart from there. Well, I mean, not after I did end up getting pregnant and now I have a 13 year old son from him who's wonderful and amazing, but that man is out of our lives, (laughs) but it just, it was such a poignant moment of giving all of my power over to him, all of it. And I've had to work a lot on having compassion for my former self because Mm -hmm. for a long time, I had a lot of shame around the decisions that I made and it was through much therapy and a lot of self-compassion to realize that it was a combination of the indoctrination I got as a woman to make others comfortable, to bypass my intuition in order to make others comfortable, to not rock any boats, to not make a scene, all of these things, as well as just being so desperate for love and attention and affection because I didn't have it for myself. So it was a big life lesson. I don't recommend everyone going down to Tijuana, Mexico to do an illegal drug deal to have those lessons. You can just read my book instead. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. This episode is supported by my very own Hope, Happiness, and Mental Health Challenge. So quick story. Early in the pandemic, I hosted a Hope, Happiness, and Mental Health Challenge. This was a challenge that we did, I believe it was in March of 2020. And really the purpose was to bring shameless moms together because I knew that so many of you, like me, we were feeling really worried, if not panicked. And we needed a place to connect, a place to tap into coping skills, and a place to really be able to lift each other up. And so I created this Hope, Happiness, and Mental Health Challenge. And hundreds and hundreds of shameless moms showed up for it. It was such an amazing success. And it really brought so much peace and joy to us during that time. And so I'm bringing it back because I know for a lot of us, we're feeling some of the same things that we felt early in the pandemic around uncertainty and worry and fear. And I want you again to be able to feel that connection, feel that opportunity to tap into coping skills and be able to do that within a community. And so I'm going to be providing this totally free hope, happiness and mental health challenge. And I want you to join me. So all you have to do is make sure you're on my email list and I will be sending out information and email in the next week or so. Go to shamelessmom.com newsletter to get yourself signed up for my emails. And then from there, you'll get everything you need to know about the challenge as soon as I have it ready for you. That's shamelessmom.com newsletter if you would like to join me for our September free hope, happiness, and mental health challenge. I can't wait to have you. That's shamelessmom.com newsletter. And that's what we do though. Like when, cause you're trained, like to, I mean, to your point around like being in any relationship is better than being in no relationship. Like, right. That's the messaging. So you're like, I'll just figure out what I need to figure out to make this one work. Because I mean, I've been told that like, I should be in a relationship. So that's what every woman should want. And that's the right yeah. thing. And especially if you've just had a quote unquote failed relationship prior. Well, and I think it was an interesting age too. So I was 31 when that happened and all of my friends 
I would say 95% of my friends were either getting married or having babies or both. Mm. And I was the only one who had a failed marriage and just a wreck of a life. And I was humiliated. I was humiliated about where I had ended up. And, you know, there was a lot of perfectionism in there. There was definitely a ton of shame. Mm -hmm. And also there was codependence and love addiction mixed in. We'll talk about that on another podcast, but it was a mess. And I didn't feel like I could truly talk to anybody about what was happening because I felt like I had failed as a woman. Like my job was to get married and have children and live happily ever after. And I had failed at that. And I just wanted everyone to think that I was okay. I was in this relationship. He was handsome and funny and charming. And that's all I wanted anybody to know. But meanwhile, it was a complete disaster. Right. This episode is supported by a podcast I want to share with you called Understood Explains. So this show is about navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences, which can be so confusing. And so every uh, season of the show is around a different theme. So there's a season on special education, there's a season on ADHD diagnosis for adults, and the current season is all about IEPs. I love this podcast because the episodes are 10 to 15 minutes long. So if you are short on time or short on focus, you can take this content in super quickly, easily. It's very digestible. And the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Urtube. So Juliana talks all about how to navigate educational plans, IEPs. She talks about the differences between IEPs and 504 plans. She really breaks things down in a really clear and simple way so that you have some of those questions that you might be thinking around, like, does this pertain to my child? Is this something I need to be looking into? Like, where do we go from here? Where do I go if I have questions? Juliana has you covered. She explains so many different things and so many different little pieces and nuance of IEPs and special education and different things on Understood Explains. So I want you to go check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can go listen to Understood Explains. Just go into your podcast app, do a search for Understood Explains, and it will pop right up. Click on it, pick your episode, and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Okay, so like on the opposite end of being in that situation, you say that women's empowerment begins with women asking for what they want, period. And I think this is so interesting because in that relationship, all you did was cater to someone else's needs. And that's very typical. And so can you talk about what women's empowerment really is about and how we do need to be asking for what we want? Yeah. And it's tricky. It's not just as simple and black and white as, you know, just ask for what you want all the time. Like, no, you know, there is such a thing as, you know, being opportunistic and (laughs) it's a, you know, again, another fine line. Always nuance. There's always nuance. Yes. But I, in this research I was doing for this book is that we don't ask. I give examples in there about asking for raises. There was some research that was done and about how, I don't remember exactly what the statistics are. I think it's in the book, but about how the disparages between men and women who negotiate their salary in their Mm. first job and how that matters for the rest of their career and can equal like hundreds of thousands of dollars at retirement age. 
Yes. Oh I didn't God, even I was, know. I don't remember why I was doing research on this. I literally just looked at these statistics like in the last couple of months and was very disappointed. <laughs> right. I got excited. Yes. So my very first job, I was offered a position as an assistant buyer for a chain of surf shops on the West coast and in Hawaii. And I was so excited because it was a big girl job. It was like job of my, it was like the devil wears Prada, but in the surf industry. (laughs) And they offered me $27,000 a year. And I was so excited to have a salary and not get paid hourly anymore that I took. It didn't even, I mean, not even fathom that I could negotiate to have a higher salary. So a few months into this job, I was working on a Saturday, by the way, I was the only one there at the office. And I took out a calculator and calculated how much money I was making an hour. And I was making less than minimum wage. And and you would think even at that moment, I would think maybe I could renegotiate my salary by talking to them about this and like telling them that I'm doing things outside of my job description that I had. No, I just put the calculator back in my drawer and was like, oh, that's not fair. You know, like mm-hmm. <laughs> no one had ever taught me about this, that this was even a thing. And it's also interesting to watch my husband as he's negotiated a few different jobs as we've been married and how everything is negotiable. And I'm just like, what's that like? You know, with like my chin on my Right, (laughs) right. (laughs) Tell me about this. Yeah, totally. Oh man. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so interesting. I'm actually thinking about a time when I, so I was thinking through your story about making that calculation and then having that realization and then just putting the calculator back in the drawer. So I had a realization at my, at a corporate job I worked at in my twenties that I was being paid less than male counterparts um, doing the same job and actually who had more, less experience than me. And I went, to the CEO, I started talking about it openly in the workplace. And then it got to HR that I was talking about it. And there had always been this very weird, like, we don't talk about salaries. We don't share them, blah, blah. There was Mm -hmm. this super weird culture around how people got paid within this organization. And so I just started talking about it and I was like, well, this is bullshit. And so I got called into the CEO's office with the director of HR and I was just thinking about that conversation as you were saying, you put the calculator back because what happened in that conversation is, was me in my early twenties, the CEO who was this huge Cuban man, like he could have been in any very, oh my God, he was so creepy and intimidating. He could totally be in some sort of like (laughs) gangster movie, like gangster mafia movie. Like he was just, he drove this Mercedes and when he would get in the car, it would like sink down on one side. He was like six, five and like three, like he was just, and so just his presence was very intimidating. Right. He calls me in the director of HR is like in her late fifties, never smiles. She's like looking over me, looking over her glasses to stare me down. So this is like what I'm walking into. And I'm thinking to your point around like a woman in, you know, a young woman versus a young man walking into this conversation. And I got completely shamed by both of them for even bringing up that first of all, talking about salaries at all. And then secondly, suggesting that there might be a discrepancy or something inappropriate happening. And they were just like, do you understand what you are saying here? Do you know what this means that you would suggest that there's sexism going on between? And I was like, yeah, I get it. That's I'm why I'm saying the it. Truth. Yeah. And they just shamed me and, and they were like, you mm-hmm. understand that you need to stop this, right? You need to stop this or there will be consequences. And I mean, it was so they used intimidation. Totally. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking back, I'm like, they wouldn't have done that probably if I was in my forties and they wouldn't have done it if I was a man. And at the time I was so young and I was just like, 
okay. Like tail between my legs, like running back and like just dying to have the day be over. Cause I was, I felt so uncomfortable and that's how it works. I was like, I'll never right. ask them for anything else in my life. Well, what's interesting too, is I asked Sarah, Leishiver, I think is her name. She was on my podcast. She wrote a book called um, Women Don't Ask. And it's about that negotiating and that research that I was telling you about. And I asked her, I said, please tell me it's getting better and that millennial women and Gen Z aren't this way. And this is more of like a, like a Gen X boomer problem. And she said, yes and no. She mm. said that younger women got the memo before we did you know, we're just kind of getting the memo now. And, you know, obviously these women are younger, but it's still a problem. And the remedy, the solution is that we need to be having these conversations. And as someone that has a daughter, my daughter's only 11 and a half, but I will be having these conversations with her. And it's interesting too. So I posted on Facebook several years ago about, I don't know if you remember this, when we first moved to North Carolina, I was looking for a babysitter and I got some names of some young girls and was texting them or calling them. And I would ask them how much they charged an hour. And almost all of them said, whatever you want to pay is fine. Yes. And I thought that was interesting. And the only reason it struck me was because that was the common answer that I was getting. I think there was only one girl who told me how much she charged. And I thought to myself, is this what we want our daughters to do? Like, would this happen with boys? I don't know if it would happen with boys. Maybe it's not a gender thing, but I kind of think it is. And I thought about my daughter and like when she's old enough to babysit, which is commonly a first job for girls. Yeah. When a parent asks her, I want her to say, I charge X an hour and here's what I do. You know, does she bring toys with her or learning games? Does she clean up? You know, it's like, I would respect that so much in a 14 year old girl who came and told me that. And it like, we need to teach our girls how to negotiate as well as how to talk about the value that they provide, how to back up what it is that they charge because, and the pushback I got Sarah, like (laughs) people saying how disrespectful that is for a young girl And I'm like, what century are you living in? Like, absolutely not. I don't care if you think that my daughter is disrespectful. She will not babysit for you then. Oh, yeah. Because like that's the house (laughs) you want to send your kid into? No. (laughs) That's so interesting. Yeah, I want uh, it to be different. Oh my gosh, I totally agree. So we have a couple teenagers who have helped us with pet sitting, dog walking and stuff over the years. And they're so sweet. I adore them so much. And one of them, we recently... I needed them to do like a day of puppy care while we were going to be skiing. And I didn't negotiate pricing in advance at all. Cause I kind of knew what they typically charge for walking and stuff. So I was like, whatever the rate will be, whatever it'll be fine. And so at the, we got home and I was like, thank you so much. And let me know how much to Venmo you. And it was like twice as much as I thought it was going to be. Oh, and I had this like, Oh, Oh, like, well, I mean, maybe she should have told me. And then I was like, no, like good for you. And it wasn't at all. Like, are you cool with this rate? She was just like, for the day, it'll be X amount. And I was like, Oh, yeah. okay. And then I was like, here you go. Like sent the Venmo, like good for you. I was. And so then I started paying this. There's two of them. So then the second one had been charging me less than that. And I just started paying her that same higher rate. And she was like, oh, like, oh my gosh. Like, and I was like, yeah, like this is totally the value of this day to me. Mm-hmm. And this is what you should be telling everyone you charge for the day, you know, like, yeah, so it's super interesting, super interesting. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And the girls that did tell me how much they charge, I acknowledged that and said, I just want to say, I'm really glad that you're telling me how much you charge. And yeah. I don't know if that's a really hard thing for you to do or not, but it says a lot about you and this will carry with you as you get older. Yeah. So keep doing that. And you yeah. could always negotiate. 
Yeah. I love that. I love that. Okay. So can you tell us a little bit about starting to build superior stories? You talk about this and I think I know what this mm-hmm. means, but I want you to talk about it because I think I'm going to love it. <laughs> well, it's um, just a fancy way of talking about mindset. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, about the stories that we make up and some of the most fascinating research that I found. In, so in 2014, I was certified as a Daring Way facilitator. It's Brene Brown's methodology. And she talks, you know, she's a clinical social worker and, and researcher, and she talks about brain science. And this is the part that I found so interesting is that you know, we're wired for story as Brene likes to say, and that our brains love to close the loop and come to a conclusion about things. So Mm. it, and it actually activates the pleasure and reward center in our brain when an ending to a story has been established, whether the story is correct or not. And this is why we jump to conclusions. This is why we overthink. This is why we assume people are mad at us. You know, when we get the phone call that our boss wants to talk to us after work, we immediately think something terrible has happened. And, you know, I remember one time I got into an argument with my husband and which doesn't happen very often. And I was planning what apartments I was going to move to because I was sure that he was divorcing me. (laughs) I was going to be a single mom. This is, I mean, (laughs) I've been there so many times. I am like always like, cool, I'm ready. Like I already have the plan B. So you just let me know like, when's the date? (laughs) When is the shoe going to drop? Because I'm ready. Yeah. And we do this. It's just part of the human experience, the way that our brains work. And yes, some of it has to do with our triggers from childhood that we should look at. But really, you know, when we're talking just about mindset and believing in ourselves, you know, believing that we can start the podcast, believing that we can start our own business or whatever it is, is that first things first is we have to actually believe that change is possible. Maybe not even specifically the change that we want to do, but just that it could happen. And, you know, this actually points to Carol Dweck's work about fixed versus growth mindset, which is also super fascinating. And I talk about that in the book and just that, you know, that failures are actually opportunities for growth and that we can learn from them. That's how people with a growth mindset are. That's how they think. Yeah. People with a fixed mindset think that, you know, it is the way it is. I'm never going to succeed. She also says that we are, everybody's a mix of both of those. You aren't one or the other, which is good to know. But it's, you know, I really love that first step of just believing that you can change. There's something so powerful about having that conscious intention of making the decision. Like I am deciding that I am going to start working out two times a week, not five times a week, two times a week. And you don't even have to, you know, put your workout clothes on, just making the decision and knowing that it's possible. Absolutely. A friend of mine, uses this phrase a lot. And when she talks about, she's a former therapist and she uses this when she's talking about her, when she feels in a, like a troubled spot in a relationship in her life, or when she finds herself in a troublesome story in her head and she'll say, well, the story I'm telling myself is, so if mm-hmm. she's in this like sticky situation from a friend, she can go to the, them and be like, Hey, the story I'm telling myself is blah, blah, blah. And I think actually Brene uses this verbiage as well, but we can also do that to ourselves, like check ourselves and catch ourselves. Like the story I'm telling myself is this, like, and is that a true story? Because typically, like, of course, we can always find evidence to support anything. Mm-hmm. Oh, and yeah. so we can be like, absolutely, that's true. Like, I've never done anything meaningful in my life and I suck at everything. And here's and all the reasons why. But also to your point around, like, I can start thinking something different starting right now. Like, where's the evidence that where I can start building that superior story to be like, actually, today's a bad day. 
but that doesn't mean I suck at everything. Here's some things I'm actually really good at that I've done Mm -hmm. recently that prove that today sucks, but I don't. Right. I want to put that on a t-shirt. Today sucks, but I don't. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) I'll credit you. Quote by Sarah Dean. (laughs) I kind of love it. (laughs) I'm going to like work it into the show notes somehow. (laughs) Okay, good, good. Perfect. We can just call the episode that. Right, right, right. I mean, never mind your book title. This is more important. (laughs) If anyone, if we walk away with anything today, walk away from this conversation with anything today, let it be that. Today sucks, but I'm percent Yeah. (laughs) So good. So good. Okay. So you wrote a short poem that's in the opening of the book called Burn It Down. Can you share that poem with us? Yes, I will. Please hold. Let me get to that page. Okay. Which also Burn It Down was another contender for a title of the book, but somebody already had it. So I was like, okay. (laughs) Which is a little aggressive. (laughs) I mean, it's good for a t-shirt though. The t-shirt line is going to be amazing. (laughs) The merch is going to be amazing. Right. I also want to have necklaces made you know, like the Carrie Bradshaw gold plated nameplate. I have one that says Andrea in cursive, but I want one that says conceited. And I want one that says aggressive because I love those two words so much. And I want to take it back. Like the word, can I say the C word? Well, I mean, we're already marked as explicit. So go. Okay. So the word cunt, like I used to not even be able to say that out loud. It was like the worst word. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to take it back. I really like this movement of taking words back Mm -hmm. and I want to take back conceited and especially aggressive for women. Oh my gosh. I love it. It's like when I, (laughs) so my show was initially the Selfish Mom Academy, which I won't even Mm -hmm. go into the story about how we changed it. But there was a few people that were like, "Mm, I don't know about selfish. Like, do we really want to embrace that? And I I was like, yes. Like, can we please? So I love like embracing aggressive or yeah. Like being like, we've been doing this wrong. Oh my gosh. Okay. So here's the poem. It's called Burn It Down. She had fire in her belly and she used it to summon her truth. She had fire in her soul and she used it to remember where she came from. She had fire in her heart and she used it to trust the women who came before her. She had fire in her spirit and she used it to show other women their own flames. She had fire in her eyes and she used it to burn it all down. She had fire in her every being and she used it to blaze a new path, a new way, a new life. So good. I have goosebumps. So good. Okay. So now everyone needs to go get the book. So tell people where they can find you, follow you and get their own copy of your book. And I'm trying to remember, is your podcast also now make some noise? Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. So people can listen to the podcast, make some noise, get the book, make some noise, and then just stalk you everywhere else. Yeah. And I have a special series out during the book launch and you're one of my special series people. Yay. So the coveted, one of the coveted spots. So if it's after August 31st, it's everywhere books are sold. And if the the main book page. Okay. So Andrea, or I, think, or I mean, you get to choose when do you want this to go live? Oh, okay. Let's, let's just after August 31st. Out right now. Yeah. Okay. After August, August 31st, 31st or like the week of would be ideal if okay. possible. Okay. So the book is at anywhere books are sold or andreaowen.com slash noise. And I especially want everyone to download the free workbook that comes with it. Cause I ask over 250 questions of the reader in the book because I'm a coach. It's what we do. And so we made a beautiful workbook to accompany the book and it's andreaowen.com slash MSN. It's the acronym for the book. And that's where the bonuses are. And it's totally free. Oh my gosh. Okay. Slash MSN. I'm writing this all down. Okay, Mm -hmm. cool. So that's the workbook that goes with the book. Yeah. And there's other bonuses for people that I'm just so 
enamored and grateful for people that, that buy both the print copy and the audiobook. Oh, that's there my favorite thing, by the I've way. Done. Yeah, I've done that with like my favorite book. So if anyone does that, there's special bonus for them. And I'm super pumped about this book and just excited for people to get their hands on it. I like to listen while I'm laying in bed doing my coloring app at night, which I always, I keep telling you about my coloring app. Your bedtime my, stories. Yeah. My bedtime stories. So I listen to my bedtime stories and do my coloring app, but then there's always things where I'm like, oh, but now I need to like go highlight that. Or like, I need to like, yeah. I need like a second imprint of it. So yeah, I love buying and listening totally. Mm-hmm, okay. Mm-hmm. So I will have everything linked up in the show notes and people can connect there. So if people go to shamelessmom.com, click on the episode with Andrea Owen and they can get all the goodies right there. And then last question, how are you currently showing up as a shameless mom? Well, I think at this moment, and I've been on here a couple of times and I probably always answer it differently is advocating for my kids. Mm. And I have found that some of the most uncomfortable conversations I've ever had are with teachers and administrators (laughs) Yeah, and they are necessary. And also really going in with a mindset of like, how can we collaborate, giving people the benefit of the doubt? Cause it's so easy to come in there like a tornado. And sometimes when we think about advocating for our kids, we're like, we have to come in there and be the mean mom. And let me, you know, again, queen of contempt over here. Let me tell you how you're doing your job wrong and how you need to do it right for my child. And that never works. And so I have found in both my marriage and in relationships with teachers, administrators, and even my friendships that again, coming at it from a place of curiosity, but also be well-prepared is really how you're going to get things done. I love it. So good. Yeah, (laughs) totally. I can be like very prepared to be defensive for those, some of those conversations with people in administrative Mm -hmm. positions. So I totally appreciate that. I love it. Oh my goodness. Okay. So I'm going to say it again. The next book that you write, (laughs) you got to come back on the show. So whenever I've already had the outline. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I cannot wait. So Andrea, this has been so fun. And I know there's been a lot of ahas for people in this episode. So I just really appreciate you sharing, digging deep into stories, telling us about Tijuana, like really letting people see stories that are relatable in a way that they, people can relate to the content, but then also take action based on the, the lessons that you've learned and the suggestions that you've made here. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. And I'm super grateful for everyone's time. I know how valuable it is. So thank you for being with us. Thank you so much for joining me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I really, really appreciate you being here and I hope you learned something new. As always, this conversation will be continued over in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook to connect with other shameless moms just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can do that directly if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review that will put you in Apple Podcasts where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review. If you scroll down a little bit, you can leave a five-star review. You can write a few sentences letting me know what you thought about the show. If you let me know how the show has impacted you in becoming a more shameless mom, you might be nominated to be shameless mom of the week. Also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more mamas be more shameless every damn day. So please do share this episode. You can take a screenshot of the episode on your phone and then share it out on social media. Tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Facebook or Instagram. I'm quick to reply and eager to send you Facebook love and love to be connected to all of you. So again, thank you for being here. I can't wait to be back here again with you in just a couple days. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. 
Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy.